and welcome to episode 439 of Awards Daily's Water Cooler Podcast. I'm your host, Clarence Moy, and I am joined by the other two M's. So M's, let's go around the cooler and tell the listeners who you are and where they can find you on the internet. Joey, we'll start with you this week. Hi, I'm Joey Moser. You can find me on Twitter at JoeyMoser83. Megan? Hi, I'm Megan McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter at HeyDudeMay. And again, I'm Clarence Moy. You can find me on Twitter at Clarence Moy. And if it sounds like I'm speaking on 1.5 speed... That's because we're trying to bring this one in under 30 minutes. <laughs> so welcome, guys. Talk oh, fast. How are you? How are you? <laughs> I would love to record a, a podcast like the Mighty Machine Guy, or at least just record it in uh, normal I speak. Love, I love the Micro Machine Guy. <laughs> yeah, Micro Machine. Yeah. Uh, hope both of you had a pleasant Thanksgiving. I did. I hope you did, Excellent. too. Uh, it was okay. It was tough. Yeah. It was tough. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we got through it and, um, the house is decorated for Christmas and, um, that is that I threw my back out. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a great feeling. Isn't that nice? It really, really. And what's so funny is that like a week l- earlier, my daughter put up her, uh, her Christmas tree, which is predominantly decorated with items of Taylor Swift origin um and it's really uh, yours we know no it's not it's actually not i do have one i did violate the disney tree rule so i have a for the listeners who don't know i have a uh, a 10 foot christmas tree that is six feet wide that is entirely decorated with disney ornaments um one of the ornaments though was a gift from my daughter last year that is a folklore uh the woodsy taylor swift album for those who don't know um <laughs> ornament and uh i i gave it to her and i was kind of like Hey, you want to put this on your tree? Because it's not a Disney ornament. And then, um, and then she was like, "Oh, but that was your Christmas present." I was like, "Oh, I feel bad." <laughs> so I ended up putting it on the tree. But, but the uh, live recording of the folklore long pond sessions is on Disney Plus. So technically, it is a Disney thing. We gotta love funny. a loophole. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's that's. I mean, come on. You have lots of loopholes when you plan your Oscar party menu. Uh, that's true. I, I completely disagree. <laughs> oh yes, you do. You're always like, I had to do this and get it, get it. Wink, wink. No. No. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah. So um. The what the what the reason I was mentioning all that is she had decorated her tree and she was bending over like a week before I threw my back out to plug her tree in and she threw her back out plugging her tree in and I was like wait your what? daughter did yes she did oh, oh my gosh um and uh, so you know I I worked with her on it I did a little at home PT and uh, and you know by the next morning she was up and about and she was moving around and stuff like that so then um I threw my back out and I was like I didn't want to tell her. <laughs> She just laughs at me. She goes, now you know. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> uh, fine. Anyway, um, but otherwise, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a tough Thanksgiving in, in multiple ways, but um, we got through it, and we're looking forward to, to Christmas. Good, good. That's good to hear. Yeah. It's um, almost December. Like, holy shit. I know. My mother's birthday is actually December 1st. Um, oh, that was my wow. dad's birthday. That's go. strange. Twins. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so this week we are going to very quickly uh, regroup on two films uh, that are coming out in the month of December. Um, one is uh, May-December. Both of them are Netflix films, actually. One is May-December and one is Maestro, uh, both of which we have seen. Um, so we're going to uh, weigh in on our takes on that. And of course, we'll wrap with the flashboard to the media we're most anticipating in the upcoming week. But before we do that, just anything you guys have been watching lately that you just want to very briefly talk about? I cannot uh, speak more highly of uh, Hannah Olson's documentary, Love Has Won, The Mother God uh, Cult. Um, and it's on HBO. It's three episodes. And it's just really fascinating and really well done. And uh, everybody should check it out if you're into documentaries and and. Um, and cults, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Megan loves her cults. What I about you, Joy? My... <laughs> um, something that I wanted to give a shout I guess, I don't think necessarily TV I'm watching. We're watching a lot of Christmas movies in this house. Um, the two movies that I watched very recently that I actually very much enjoyed, um, I watched Chevalier, that... Um, oh, yeah that period drama. I missed it at TIFF last year and I forgot I got like a super quiet release in like, I think April of this year and I didn't get a chance to see it in theaters. So it's on Hulu right now. Um, and I watched it there and I thought it was really great. Um, I spoke to the costume designer about it. Um, and then a movie that I was not expecting to like, um, I just because in my mind, I was like, that sounds kind of silly is um, <laughs> and Hot. Um, that is also on Hulu. The The reason I uh, watched it was because um, Ava Longoria directed it. And um, since I'm a massive Desperate Housewives fan, I was like, I will watch something to talk to her. And I did. And it's actually this like really heartwarming movie about like a man who is trying to prove to his family and himself that he basically has worth. Um, I was really, really surprised. Um so, yeah, I would recommend those if you guys are, uh, anybody listening is trying to find something to watch. Is Flaming Hot on Hulu? Yes. Okay. It had a, a tiny theatrical release um, that I didn't even know it had a theatrical release. I thought it was an Emmy play, but essentially they're doing, I think they're going to go for some uh, first time feature director stuff for Ava Longoria. I think she directed that one of the, sections of that um oh jesus that diane warren song nominated thing that was there last year tell it like a woman or tell me i'm a woman or oh, yeah, Megan, you spoke to her for yes. that right yes um, i did mm -hmm. ava longoria directed one of the uh sections of that so i don't think that would count as i think that would not disqualify her for first time um director prizes or something so i think that's a play that they're going for i think don't quote me on that but yeah First time director is going to be really um, interesting this year because there are, well, we have that and you've got past lives. I think that's a first time film, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you've got American fiction, which is also a first time film. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty strong one. I think probably there's a, there's a lot of really good uh, debuts this year. Yeah. Okay. Um, very good. Well, um, Let's move on to discussion of these two films. So, uh, Joey, um, I know that you and I have talked quite a bit about your love of May-December. 
Um, So why don't you sort of cue up what May-December is for our listening audience who perhaps may not know? Sure. Uh, May-December is the new, I guess, depending on how you watch it, drama or very dark comedy. According to the Hollywood Foreign Press, it is a comedy um, from director Todd Haynes, where he is reunited with Julianne Moore, um, where she plays Gracie, a former pet shop employee who was embroiled in a scandal of having an affair with a 14-year-old boy who is uh, an employee there. He's played by uh, Charles Melton. And the main, I guess, thick plot comes when Natalie Portman uh, is an actress and she is going to be playing Julianne Moore's Gracie in a sort of feature film about the scandal. And uh, so these two women are very much, I think it's a movie about like artifice and how you present yourself and sort of about celebrity and stuff. So it's these these two women sort of go up against each other, um, maybe in ways that they don't expect and maybe some ways that the audience isn't um, fully expecting. Um, and it's sort of a almost a direct um, rip from the Mary Kay Letourneau scandal, I think, from what, like the early 90s. Um, I think some of the <laughs> photography of uh, Julianne Moore as the, the quote-unquote younger version of Gracie in, like, the tabloids. I think, like, the hairstyles are directly pulled from Mary Kay Letourneau. Um, I think the the Willie Falau, I think he was Korean. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's like this really darkly funny, um, very, very complicated uh, film. I personally love it. I think it, if it's not my favorite movie of the year, it's probably my top five. It's, uh, I just think the performances are really great. I have not been able to stop thinking about a lot of random small moments in it. And I love that it really kind of fucks with the tone like, if we were in a movie theater, I feel like I could turn to, uh, you know, somebody sitting behind me and they would think that it was, you know, deeply serious about a deeply serious issue. But I was laughing at a lot of things. When I went to a press screening of it a couple of weeks ago, I was, it was maybe there were like 15, 20 people in there. And they, I was the only person who laughed at stuff. And the person, you know, who was in charge of the screening that we met up with, she was like, you were laughing. And I could tell that you were uncomfortable. And I was like, yep, <laughs> I was, even though I knew what was coming. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a complicated, uncomfortable, funny movie. I think it's going to be something that really polarizes people. And I'm I'm excited for that. So uh, it does take place in Savannah, Georgia, and that's where you saw it, Megan, uh, at the SCAD Savannah Film Festival. How did the audience react to it there? It was a weird reaction. It was like people were laughing a lot. like uncomfortably, like Joey, like probably like you were, but I think it was also kind of like, like a what the hell, mm-hmm. what the fuck type of reaction too to a lot of it. The music they laughed a lot of it, like it, it was weird. I feel like I need to see it again because I watched it almost as just a camp, complete camp movie, like hundred percent. Like I don't, not even sure if I took it that seriously with its tone, and I wonder if that's because of the way I watched it with a group of probably mostly college kids. Um, But uh, it was like, people were laughing a lot and it was, and it made it seem like 
and I and I don't think that this is what the movie is, but it made it seem like I was watching almost like a mystery science theater movie. Like, not that they were interesting, but, like, but it was like very, um, like no, the performances are great. Everybody was awesome, but it was more of like this is a straight up comedy, and it's purposefully camp, which I think mm-hmm. it is. But but um, but I see a lot of different people taking it more seriously on like Twitter and their reviews, and I'm like, oh wow, like I watched. I had a completely different experience. And um, and I think Natalie Portman's amazing. I think Julianne Moore's amazing. Um, Charles Melton is so good. Uh, but it's something that I probably need to watch again to digest the story. I, I think it's well done, but it, it was almost like perceived as camp. Yeah, it's really interesting. I have seen it twice now. Um, and uh, I... When the first time I saw it, I was like, I watched it just, you know, for what was going on. And I really focused on Natalie Portman quite a bit because her performance immediately stood out to me as something great. Uh, when I watched it again, I, I noticed a lot of nuance in it that I didn't catch before. And whether or not that was just a product of film festival symptom syndrome, where you're constantly just inundated with films and you watch again and again and again, you know, just film after film after film. And, and you, see, you just don't get time to process mm-hmm. a lot of things. But I, there was a lot more nuance to it. It is camp, but there is an undercurrent of of um, a real trauma in there, and and yeah. trauma that is continued to be inflicted upon characters by a controlling force who who portrays herself to be the victim, but she's really con- sort of controlling everything behind the scenes. Yeah, that's um, really true. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. don't, sorry, go ahead. Joe. No, you, you go ahead. That's fine. I was just going to say, I don't know that it's entirely successful with that. Cause that, that sort of revelation, I mean, it, I don't know that I, I may roll that statement back. I, I do struggle with it. I think it's a, I really enjoy the film and I almost want to watch it a third time just to kind of regroup on it and kind of see, you know, what my, where my thoughts land on it. But I think, the three performances are fantastic. I do, I will die on the hill that I think this is my personal opinion. I said this is Natalie Portman's best performance. Um, well, she's really good in it. She is yeah. both naturalistic in ways and she is both incredibly artificial in ways. And I think that's a really, really interesting combination. Yeah, there's, yeah, um, that's true. There's a, uh, the sort of grandiosity of some of the uh, emotions that Julianne Moore pulls out, like there's a scene where she's upset over the the cake order, and she's like losing it. Um, and then the the scene where um, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman are in the bathroom, not the makeup scene, but towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're at the graduation a brunch and <laughs> Julianne Moore mentions her brothers and Natalie Portman has a line delivery that just thinking about it makes me laugh. She's like, how many brothers do you have? Like, it's just so, I don't know. There's, I don't, I, there's something in the movie that I would probably need to see it again that I think is, it's just, just a really wicked sense of humor to it. And, um, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot going on at all times. I think it's it's a movie that that really has a lot of uh, it really fucks with tone 
throughout the whole movie, simul like different tones all at once, and I think that's really interesting to watch. Um, I don't think I've seen a movie like that in a long time. A lot of people are talking about uh, Charles Melton as being mm-hmm. the performance in the film. Where do you guys stand on that? Like Megan, I noticed you were, and it may be just a, a, a coincidence. I noticed that you were very quick to to give high praise to Natalie Portman and to um, and to uh, Julianne Moore, but it was almost like, and, and Charles Melton's good too. But that doesn't oh. seem to be the the narrative online. Oh, I think he's fantastic. I think he's so good. But I also think he's like in a different movie almost. Like I feel like Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore are in one movie and he's in another. Um, but no, I think, and I didn't mean it that way. I uh, I think he's awesome. Like I was very moved by his performance. And, it's, um, you know, you don't really see characters like him um, you know, he's never been represented. Like characters like him have not been represented, and I thought that was really interesting. But no, I didn't mean that by any like to uh, uh, lower his performance by any means. And Joey, you're big on him, I think, right? Yeah, he's. Um, I think the second time I watched it, I really. Uh, I mean, it's easy to think this, but I, I really felt like this. This. Uh, this man who is forced to grow up he doesn't he sees children that he has fathered um and he's seeing them grow up and i just imagine him thinking of his childhood and he just sees like a blank screen just because he didn't have a childhood and i think that is so sad and there's something about his um i'm obsessed with like (laughs) actors physicality and stuff the way that he like holds his body really rigid in a lot of scenes, especially mm-hmm. when he's with Julianne Moore, reminded me of like a little kid not knowing how to articulate his feelings. And I thought that was really sad. Like the scene where he's on the roof with his son, like smoking pot for the first time. That's like he I feel like he's just like, I'm like, I'm going to get in trouble. Not just because I don't smoke <laughs> pot, but it's also just like he's like a little kid. I don't know. He probably was going to get, did think yeah, he was he in trouble. Um, yes. And I think a lot of that points to the stunted growth that is yeah. at the center of his character that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's a brutal scene that is just very quick where he is watching his children's graduation oh, ceremony gosh. from behind a fence yeah. and yeah. and he's happy. And, 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 then I think, you know, maybe I'm reading a lot into it, but I think it is a correct read that he's happy at that moment. But he's also incredibly devastated because he did not get that moment to be happy. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. he is he is questioning and and regretting his life's choices for the past 18, 20 years. And it makes me wonder, like, I'm so worried about that character when those kids leave. When him yeah. and when him and Julianne Moore's characters are empty nesters, mm-hmm. like I feel like that house is going to explode. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, I could see that happening, or I could just see him silently slipping away, not yeah, even trying to to confront her because he probably she's going to shut down. You see her shut down any kind of argument with a emotional outburst or bursting into tears, you know, or using her, her femininity to, um, to counteract 
and to control the narrative. Um, and I just, I just, I can just see him, you know, say, I'm going to go to Mexico and look at the, at the butterflies and never come back. Who was the person he was texting? Was that one of his friends from like his Facebook group? Yeah. That's what I and, thought too. And I like how the movie doesn't, I can understand how some people would want to know more about that, but I like that we don't know anything about that. Yeah. Because I think yeah. the last interaction that he has is when he like pushes the boundary a little bit about, well, maybe we can go see the butterflies together. And she's just like, aren't you married? And that, I think that's the last thing you see. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a devastation, a devastating moment yeah. for him because he's like, maybe this is a way out. Maybe this is someone I can connect with. And, and, you know, I don't think he wanted to face that with that particular person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I think a lot of people are just writing it off as camp. I do think it is camp, but I don't think you can necessarily write it off as camp and, and not, and, and discount some of the very real emotions and, and, and character development and uh, complex relationship building that is going on here. Yeah. Yes, that's true. And I think a lot of people are latching on to Charles Melton uh, online it's it's a good performance, but it's also it's something we've never seen him do before. And it sort of feels like best actress is so insanely crowded that maybe they don't they just don't think that Natalie Portman has a chance or maybe the same thing with supporting actress with Julianne Moore. I think maybe some people are latching on to Charles Melton because it does seem a bit easier and people are getting excited about that. So I think yeah. that's what that is, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think that fifth slot is definitely wide open at this point. I mean, I think I currently have Coleman Domingo in Color Purple, um, just mm -hmm. based on this feels like his year, and I could see him getting two nominations. But it could very easily be um, Charles Melton. It could be Willem Dafoe. Um, I think it could be Dominic Sessa because The yeah. Holdovers is increasingly popular despite yeah. um, Universal's lack of faith in it. I had two people literally today at my job because I talked to them about movies, and uh, I was leaving, and one of the two of them no, one was early in the day. One was when I was leaving. They were just like, man, I saw The Holdovers. I saw it with my family this weekend. What a great movie. It's my favorite movie of the year. And I was like, all right. I love The Holdovers. I would love for it to get a, a larger reaction. Um, all right. So let's move on to uh, Maestro very quickly. And um, Megan, I, I have not talked to you about Maestro at all. So why don't you uh, kick us off by telling us what Maestro is and then dive right into your reaction. Sure. Maestro is a remake of the lovely. No, okay. That's Joey's, that's Joey's description. Maestro is a biopic of Leonard Bernstein. Well, I guess it's kind of tracking his relationship with his wife, um, played by Carrie Mulligan. Um, and it kind of like follows him from the beginning of his career where his breakthrough moment to toward the end of his life and um and, but it's mostly i guess uh, um the romance it covers the romance between them even though i don't know if it's necessarily a romance um but i i think of it more as a i guess i don't know i that, that's something that's debatable um the relationship between this man and this woman uh is what i would call it um i i really liked it i i i think there are things that I liked more about it and things that I like, I really 
I kind of um, like the idea of the plays like blending into his life, like when it's black and white and then that goes away. And I kind of missed that. I thought that was cool. And I thought that was going to stay for the film, but it's, it's very impressive. The fact that this is like Bradley Cooper's second film that he's directing and directing himself. And I think that he's very confident as a director. It's, it's, very um i mean the makeup is amazing in this too and and his performance is also really good where he really does get lost in this role um carrie mulligan is also really fantastic um but i i i don't know i tend not to think of it as a romance but i don't know i'm mean, i'm curious what you think i i think of it more as like uh a friendship but maybe is kind of a romance i don't know i i i thought it was great i i I didn't love it as much as it's not as much as fun as like a star is born, but it's um, it's got a lot going on, like going well for it. I think, I don't know. That sounds like a, I'm just kind of like in between on it, but it was good. Uh, Joey, what did you think of it? So I've seen it twice. Uh, the first time I saw it, I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> Because I had heard all this stuff about, you know, going in, they were saying it's like, you know, the this new um, biopic, like you've never seen it before. Um, what he Bradley Cooper does is amazing. And what he does do is amazing. Like, I think he's easily the front runner for best actor. Um, I thought I was a little the reason I say I was confused is because uh, people that were like, when the trailer came out and the poster came out, it was all Carrie Mulligan. I was like, oh, okay, so we're going to see... It's like a a deterioration of their marriage, but from her perspective. She was getting top billing, whatever. When I saw it, I was like, it is easily about the two of them. And then I didn't know... I was just like... The first time I saw it, I was like, I don't know if this is supposed to be a love story. I didn't know if it was supposed to be about his genius. I didn't know if it was supposed to be about... Uh, his sort of rat-a-tat-tat, unfocused way in his personal life, but in his professional life, he's this, you know, lauded composer, conductor, everything. So I think I was a little disappointed the first time I watched it. And also, that was the third movie I saw that day. I was incredibly uncomfortable in that damn chair. Um, mm -hmm. in um, the second time I saw it, I will admit, I had a completely different reaction. And I very much enjoyed it. And I think Bradley Cooper is fantastic. I think the makeup is great. The costumes are great. Um, I'm not as sold on Carrie Mulligan as everybody else. Um, I don't know why I'm resistant that way. But I think the emotional reaction that everyone else is having to her is probably going to carry her into award <laughs> stuff as well. Um, I just, I think I was really... I was really sad and focused on the tragedy of uh, the second time that this was a man who could not put his personal priorities in line enough. And by the last third of the movie, when you're a person who doesn't have enough time to um, make up for a whole slew of years of shit of how you treated someone, um, you can't stop what happens to them no matter how how many awards you win no matter how many people say i love your music after a concert no matter what you do you cannot stop the inevitable what happens to his wife 
I think that was really sad. Um, I do agree that someone said if Bradley Cooper doesn't win Best Actor here, he's never going to win an Oscar. I think it is so he is so passionate about this movie, and I think it really, really, really comes through. And I could watch three hours of just Bradley Cooper conducting as Leonard Bernstein. I could watch that and still say, okay, give him an Oscar. Fine. (laughs) But yeah, I think I was really conflicted about it and honestly a little reluctant to see it again, but I had a completely different um, experience the second time, and I was very surprised by that. Clarence. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think I should probably see it again as well. Um, some of the things that you guys have mentioned really bothered me, like um, the fact that the first 30 minutes is in black and white, and it is a, it, it does try to tie his life into his art. And then all of a sudden it just stops becoming that. And it's all, you know, it it does this leap forward into he and and Carrie Mulligan are married, but there's no, and then, you know, he's messing around with a guy and she seems to know, and she accepts it. There's no, there's no exploration of that. There's no, it's a, it's, it's not a movie about their love affair. It's about their relationship and her, just standing by him the whole time while he gets everything and it just annoys me i agree with that i don't see it as a romance that's why i'm always laughing that they're ever like he's always describing it as a romance between it's absolutely and i'm like i don't even i'm not even quite sure what their connection is other than like their beginning the beginning of the relationship where they kind of have this like amazing date a la a star is born you know yeah um (laughs) but they at least in a star is born those two had this musical connection you know, that they were like twin flames, so to speak, with music. And I'm not sure what the connection was here. Why she, like, when did she find out that he was, that, you know, that, I mean, I guess he's bi, but when did she find, but I think he leans towards being gay, but like, when did she find out that he prefers men, like over women? And, um, you know, did, how did that affect her? I would have loved to have seen those scenes. So I, I agree with you there. I think, it kind of just jumps around a little bit and um, and it kind of ignores those points that would have been really interesting to explore. The other thing, and I will concede that Bradley Cooper is good. And I will concede also that he is the front runner to win an Oscar. And I think finally they should just give it to him so he can stop making these movies where he <laughs> fashions himself as the, as this martyr, this like self-absorbed martyr type um, that, just really turns me off and I really find incredibly annoying. Like, um, you know, Lady Gaga was so great in A Star is Born, but Bradley Cooper was too, but he gets all the big scenes. It's not really about her anymore. It's a, it's all about him and his downfall. And, and this is about, you know, this isn't exploring and Maestro is not exploring her feelings and her relationship to him. It is exploring his side of this affair or this really this marriage. And it just, it's just a lot of that doesn't work for me. There's scenes in there that I think are actively bad. One of which being the, the, the one that popped up so much on Thanksgiving day, where they have an argument on their, um, their flat in the, uh, I forget the name of the building, the building, but it's the building where they filmed Rosemary's baby, the Dakota. Uh, he lived in the Dakota, which overlooks, um, mm-hmm. 34th street. And so they could see the parade, the Thanksgiving day parade. And like, they have this, huge blowout emotional argument and then like snoopy goes flying by the window behind yes. it and i'm just like that that it just what what is the point of that like <laughs> I, I 
to remind us that this is Thanksgiving and that, you know, they are in front of the parade. I don't know. It just little things like that really bothered me. I did. I didn't, I didn't like the, uh, I thought the beginning was, you know, the beginning showed a movie going in one direction and then it became very ordinary in the last two thirds, I thought. And then the last third is all about her just dying. That's, that's the only thing that she really gets to do is to die. And all of that just annoyed me more than I think it did other people. Um, that said, you know, it's the last film that I saw out of three days, three very packed days. I, I should give it another chance. And I will concede that Bradley Cooper is good. And, and I think he probably should win the Oscar. Um, it's not a, an award that I would give him personally, but you know what? It's better than uh, it's better than Brendan Fraser in The Whale. So <sighs> that's a step up. <laughs> oh, that's a leap, dear God. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I can't. I, I do think... Um, Maybe that's the reason why I haven't uh, been... I think what Carrie Mulligan does is great. I feel bad that this is a woman who... Uh, that we know of in this movie. She's a she's a woman who has uh, sacrificed, you know, some of her own happiness in a time when it, his homosexuality... Or um, not sexual, homosexuality. His proclivities for men is something that couldn't be talking... Talking... God fucking damn it talked about in a in a in a um mainstream way that it forces her to really wrestle with everything alone um and i do think my impression from the first time even the second time it was like she just she dies very beautifully yeah short <laughs> and that's there's nothing like there's nothing wrong with that but it that's an, i'd rather see i'd rather see natalie portman no. Well, look, I mean, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's, there's not a real strong way of, let me back up. We know that this film isn't interested in exploring her character and her relationship to their marriage because they would rather spend seven minutes watching Bradley Cooper conduct that symphony in that cathedral Uh than understanding her character at all. You've made me completely see this film in a different way. <laughs> like, I was really like, fine. I'm like, it was fine. Like, it was, you know, your standard. Like, he does a lot of really impressive things in it. But I, I totally see your point with a lot of this. And that she does get short-shifted. And, you know, I couldn't tell you anything really about her. Like, what she wants out of life. You know, whereas yeah. I could tell you a lot about him. Yeah. I mean, the entire film just sees everything from his perspective. And, uh, and there's just this, that, that, that whole narcissism, uh, aspect to it just really drives me insane a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I will watch it again. I just need some time from it. Um, I wish there weren't like, you know, (laughs) I don't want to go on and on about this, but there is one particularly terrible scene where all of a sudden, um, you know, it's, I think it's the la- one of the last scenes that are in black and white where he's been on a date. I don't remember exactly how it goes because it's been a month since I've seen it, but he's been on a date with Carrie Mulligan. Maybe they're even married by this point. And then he, he's, he's walking down the street in New York and, oh, there's Matt Bomer. Matt Bomer, who he was fucking in the beginning of the movie, is now married and has a kid of his own. And then he tells the kid, hey, I used to sleep with both your parents. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, there's a lot to unpack right there. And you did not set us up for any of that. And then all of a sudden he goes and walks through Central Park with Matt Bomer and they're hugging and kissing. And I'm like, it's still 1950 something. That would not happen. 
I don't care if it is New York City. It would not happen that these two men, especially Leonard Bernstein, walking in Central Park and kissing another man. That would not happen. I thought that too, actually, when I was watching it. But I also but, um, wonder if we have to be like suspended. Yeah, suspension of disbelief that this is like maybe this is Leonard Bernstein's interpretation of his own life, too, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's just I don't know. That that there's just some scenes in there that are just not very well done. To, and you know, I just think about <laughs> the imbalance of perspective about Carrie Mulligan's character. And here we have those ridiculous scenes that are just out there and not really explained or set up. They're just there to feature him. And yet her character is just like, oh, I'm mad that you're gay. And now I'm dying of cancer. You know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's all I'll say. <laughs> and I'm not looking to convert anybody. I'm not looking to set people against the film. I'm just explaining my uh, issues with it. No, I know a lot can... of people have have accosted me because I, I seem to have committed a crime by not liking <gasps> this film. No, I think you have some really fair points that I didn't think about that now I'm probably going to think about more. <laughs> All right. Um, but I think it's getting nominated for a ton of Oscars and win again, makeup and, uh, and win an Oscar for Bradley Cooper so that he can stop making narcissistic uh, biopics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's jump to the flashboard to the media we're most anticipating in the upcoming week. And uh, Megan, why don't you go first? Um, I'm looking forward to catching up on more movies. I started reading um, a new book. I finished Brittany's book. Um, I did too. And it's uh, In the Light of Darkness. Uh, um, it's about the poly class kidnapping. Um, it's from author uh, Kim Cross and um, it's just a nonfiction book that's really interesting so far. And it's, it's, um, it just came out like last month, I think. Um, so I'm reading that and, um, I was just going to watch. Oh, this is, this week is the big, um, uh, finale of golden bachelor that I'm really excited Ooh. for. Um, and then I just have to, uh, stay caught up on all these movies and TV shows and watching and in the end, uh, uh, the end of the world. Wait, at, a murder at the end of the world, and then I um, Fargo is also like I'm like I keep calling it the end of the world, murder at the end of the world. Um, I want to watch that too, but um, yeah, that's about it. Joey, uh, just gonna watch every movie I can. Um, Godzilla minus one comes out this week. Uh, Napoleon, I want to see. I want to see Hunger Games. I want to see Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. Um, I have, I got that gorgeous neon box, so I'm really excited to see, uh, robot, robot dreams, um, and origin and, uh, Ferrari. I'm dying to see all these movies, um, and then catch up with some, uh, international, um, stuff like fallen leaves and the missing, which I haven't gotten a chance to see yet. Um, if I can sort of uh, shamelessly plug and plead with people, I'm going to be posting, I think at least one interview a day with some shorts directors and, uh reviews uh, because the shortlist voting is in mid-december so we have less than a month um and i will be going crazy with shorts so if people want to please read and or share or comment about anything related to short films please do so excellent i am very excited about that uh, neon box as well in terms of yeah. films i mean um i i even want to watch uh, anatomy of a fall again um me too yeah 
and I also want to watch uh, all the things that you've mentioned. Um, we, yeah, I also have more screeners than I have hours in the day um, right. to, to consume, and all the Christmas movies. Uh, I didn't even mention the fact that I had to watch um, the 2000 Grinch, oh, the live God. action Grinch starring Jim Carrey, which I think that is one of the worst movies show. I've ever seen. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we can we can well, let's do a let's do a holiday movie uh, podcast here in the next couple That's of weeks sure. where we can talk sure. about these things because I know Joey, you're getting your taste of those. Um, uh-huh. And I'd love to talk about my complicated uh, reaction to um, "It's a Wonderful Life." <laughs> oh, okay. oh! I haven't um, seen that movie in so long. So I yeah. love "It's a Wonderful Life." I watch it every year. Yeah, we watch it every year too. And I, I went from spoiler alert. I went from despising it to um, because I was so rea- strongly reacted to the plot and some things that happen in the story. Uh, to being like devastated by it one year, like I was crying watching it because mm. <laughs> I don't know. And it's 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 an interesting thing. So uh, we'll do that uh, on a podcast uh, shortly because um, we only have a few weeks before Christmas. Um, oh, shut up. <laughs> TV wise, I mean, my screener time is all being spent in the film world. So TV wise, I'm 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 way behind on things that I really want to see, like A Murder at the End of the World, like The Crown, like uh, Fargo. Um, those are the big three that I have to catch up on. Um, I am watching 30 minutes of Veep every day. And Megan, I got to tell you, um, I'm getting to the end of season six. And the quality is just not, I don't know if it's if it's my reaction to it. I don't know that I think that the quality isn't isn't quite there as it, as like the beginning of season six felt so much stronger to me than the end of season six. I think they're really spinning their wheels about what to do with her now that she was not the president anymore and that she's, I think they take too long to get to that point where she's running again. Yeah, I agree. I, I do. If I had all the time in the world, I would want to rewatch it. Cause it sounds like fun, like a fun little project that you're doing. Yeah, it is fun. Um, and I, you know, of course I, I, I love the show. I still think, but I, I just think the last couple of episodes that I've been watching have not been as, as uh, yeah. uniform as even, you know, earlier episodes in this season. Um, I will say like it's one thing for her to talk shit about other people within the office and you know they all have just really harsh perspectives on everything but the way that this show just everybody dumps on her daughter Catherine <laughs> it's just yeah. massively uncomfortable after a while <laughs> so um anyway uh i think i'm getting ready to watch the last episode of season 6 and then i will move on to season 7 um and i haven't really been reading any books no time for that so We'll see how that goes. I did buy new books, but I haven't been <laughs> able to read any. All right. So does that cover it? Yeah. All right. Let's get the hell out of here. So we are the three M's contributors, Joey Moser, Megan McLaughlin, and me, Clarence Moy, thanking you for joining us, asking you to remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. Plus, subscribe to our YouTube channel, at Awards Daily, and many of you have, and thank you for doing so, and wishing you a very pleasant tomorrow. <laughs>